welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. And welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynch Troop, who is a seasoned spouse, as well as mom of two and a mental health advocate. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here. I get to sit in like the hot seat today. (laughs) I'm not just playing co-host. I get to like be a guest again, where it all started, I guess. I don't know. Or is Scott our guest? I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, just so our listeners know, we've been having talks about this discussion for some time now. And, you know, I think we're just going to dive into it and see what happens, but just to kind of get into it, the main topic we want to talk about today is we really want to get into the topic of long-term financial planning, particularly for our career military families and seasoned spouses and a little background on this. So, you know, holding down the fort was actually inspired by our company, U.S. Vet Wealth. And Jenny Lynn, we have a <laughs> we have a guest with us, none other than my husband, Scott Tucker, who is the founder and CEO of U.S. Vet Wealth and my business partner, my life partner, my co-parent to our crazy fur dog and just kind of everything. So without further ado, Scott, welcome to the show. Welcome to holding down the fort. Welcome back. <laughs> Good to be back. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, now that we have you both on and I'm doing this properly, (laughs) just a little background, holding down the fort was started because of US Vet Wealth. And in my personal experience, at least back in 2000, was that 2019 now? I just remember working with a bunch of guys and a bunch of veterans, especially, you know, working in finance, primarily focused on service members and veterans. And what we had come to find along the way, and Scott, feel free to chime in after this, is that when it came down to the actual decision making with long-term financial planning, there was sometimes, if not often, a disconnect with the couples making the decisions together. And so it was something that we started to become, at least for me, extra curious about. And, you know, in having talks with the team, we realized that, at least for me, I wanted to have a better understanding and a pulse of what the military community is like at that time. Because for myself, being a gold star daughter, having been removed for 20 years, I really didn't know the landscape of the community. And so hence, that's how holding down the fort came to be, was really my fast track to understanding the community. And it was actually really a team decision at US Vet Wealth to start up the show. So Scott, I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, the benefits, the military pay, all of it is meant for the family, not just the service member, but it's always tied to the service member. And like you brought up the, the in 2019, we started to realize it because I mean, I saw this, I mean, a decade ago, I've been in the industry for a few years and started, you know, getting my feet, you know, under me a little bit. And you always realize that, hey, you know, the military spouse is really important in these decisions around finances that need to be made, you know, and it almost seems like, well, duh, of course, but yet that doesn't happen. Oftentimes, the service member is responsible for typically the more longer term invest in type planning, and then the spouse would be more in charge of the budget or whatever. And 
and this isn't a topic that likes to come up. I mean, with all the deployments and stuff going on, it's just, hey, is the paycheck coming in? We're good. Are we saving for retirement? Okay, we're doing something. Don't worry, we got all these benefits. We're good. And it causes a sense of complacency, unfortunately, and in more so for the career military families, it tends to backfire. And I can get into all those examples in a lot of ways, or you know, if, if it comes up. But yeah, it was in 2019 mm-hmm. when you know I started really honestly to learn more about your story, about your father and your family. Because in my situation, you know, I had always been a younger single guy in the military and even coming out of the military. So I, I mean, I felt uncomfortable, you know, trying to talk to the military families from those types of dynamics. In the financial planning world, they say, well, it's all the formula, save for college, you know, just do these things. And it's like some sort of formula that applies to every military family, every family situation. And that's just blatantly not true. And the assumption is you wear a uniform, you have a certain rank. And so it wasn't until, again, you started having those conversations with the military spouse coming from a perspective of a former military child, military brat, and happened to be Gold Star daughter. And, and I do wear the s- brat title very proudly. So <laughs> I did I did benefit from it. I did I did get my schools paid for. I had health insurance till my young 20s. It was it was great. <laughs> well, and it's only like a few months ago that I realized myself, I was like, wait a minute. My mom was a lifetime military brat as a child. I mean, they moved to 20 different places when she was a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's exaggerating, but this stuff never came up. I never even thought to ask her, what was it like being a military child after I'd already been in the industry for 10 years and stuff. So just really powerful is both of you and Jenny Lynn, you know, thank you for coming on and enhancing the show from the perspective of an active duty military spouse. And we can start to actually have these conversations that frankly, I was just too uncomfortable to have. Well, you know, really nobody was having, nobody even knew to have them. It's just because of that blanket. I mean, heck, we just announced we're pulling out of the war. I mean, we'll see if that happens, but it's been 20 years. It's been 20 mm-hmm. years of distraction from the personal individuals, whether that's a family unit or the individual military spouse. What are their goals and dreams? What are the kids' goals and dreams? And then ultimately, hey, you're going to be a veteran at some point. There's a reason we're all called veterans. So why are we acting surprised that it's coming? And then yeah. why do we expect all these things to be handed to us when we come out of the, or even on active duty? The ones who get ahead are the ones that take full responsibility, self-educate and self-motivate. Stop waiting around for the government or the army or the Navy or whatever to take care of things for them. And I always say, hey, at some point, it's time to stop following orders, whether you like it or not. So you're gonna have to make your own orders. But if you don't have the wherewithal to understand, you know, what's going on, because what's happening today is nothing like it was 20 years ago. I mean, the internet was barely a thing. Uh, let alone five years ago. I mean, the iPhone's only really been in everybody's hands for about you know five, six, seven years that everybody had one. Wow. So it's changed the world. It's crazy it, to it's think. absolutely <laughs> changed the world. And yet we're talking about oh, financial, military financial planning, like, you know, save for retirement. It's like you're 29 and you're thinking about your 60s and the world's changing every month right now. And so I just didn't find these things being congruent. And especially when you think about the military benefits, the way that they've been designed and packaged. I mean, everything the government does and the military does, we all know it. It's always a decade or two behind the times and stuff. That's backfiring more and more. It's having more and more of an impact just because of how quickly things are changing in the individual personal world versus in the military. Yeah, we got great technology. Don't worry. I mean, we're really good military and stuff, but 
it's a behemoth. It moves very, very slowly. And so that comes all the way down to the pay and benefits. And we could just get focused on, are we getting pay raises enough? And there's just so much more to it where you can really take control. So anyways, that's why I think it's super important that you guys uh, started this. So thank you. Well, thank you for your support (laughs) and for the team. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Ethan for coming up with the name. I still remember the day we were having this phone call of like, you know, how do we describe military families who just know how to keep it together? Like after every PCS and establishing a, you know, a new normal with every move and all that good stuff. And then our colleague Ethan was like holding down the fort and like immediately, okay, let's get our graphic designer. We got to get this logo together. We got to get this out there. And I still remember, you know, those early days of doing it. But the interesting thing about our show, and I've done this very intentionally is we didn't really talk about finance in the early seasons. My intent very early on and still is really to this day, you know, even if we don't talk about finance is to just understand where the community is at today, you know, because we can have our own idea of how we want to serve the community, but ultimately it comes down to what you guys actually need. And so that's why it took me what, or took us five seasons to have this conversation. And, you know, it took me what, two, three seasons to hang out with Jenny Lynn before I could talk to her about these things, because you know, to be quite honest, we're still trying to find our language. I mean, you know, obviously Scott and the team are really good at talking to service members and veterans, but it's my mission to speak to the families because, you know, I come from a career military family. My dad had served 18 years. And after we had lost him, it was like money was quite an issue. And that's a whole story for another time. But my goal today is to, you know, make long-term financial planning more relatable and digestible to our family today and really understand the benefits of knowing enough to make those financial decisions. But first understanding why, like why is there that, that disconnect? And so that's why we're having this conversation today and sort of putting Jenny Lynn on the hot seat to just really get her perspective and to hear from you, Jenny Lynn, as well as, you know, maybe what your general understanding is amongst other spouses and in the community yourself, really just here to listen and even try to provide as much information to you and there for our listeners, for our understanding, and really just try to find that common ground of how do we continue to serve one another, whether it's U.S. vet wealth or, you know, even what we do here on holding down the fort. So all that being said, I know that Scott and I talked a lot. So Jenny Lynn, just want to go ahead and open it to you now and kind of get your general observations and comments. Yeah, well, thanks. So for the record, I volunteered to be in the hot seat. Jen and Scott did not make me. Finance is something that has been a struggle in my family, which I don't think that is unusual in a military family for a variety of reasons. One of the things Scott brought up was like most people are focused on like the right now, on the pay raise, on the this, yeah. on the that. And I think that mindset is pretty prevalent because there's such immediate need with that. Like, I don't want, you know, I mean, I I think of my own family and every time that we've PCS'd or Matthew has advanced in rank, like the level of pay that comes with those things is super important. And having just left a really expensive area where the pay doesn't Mm. match the cost of living, you kind of have to be focused on that and like push for that because you're trying to feed your kids. You're trying to let them play sports. And the idea of having any extra to do any kind of actual planning, a lot of times feels really foreign, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it was it 18 or 19 when the department of Homeland security shut down. And so the coast guard went unpaid because they're not department of defense. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of Coast Guard friends and it was phenomenal to me to see the internet trolls like go after how they should have done better and how they should have known better. And, you Mm. know, churches were providing like 
bake sales and yard sales to support Coast Guard families, which is very kind, also not their job. And I actually wrote a piece, it's on my blog, wrote a piece about, you know, what it's actually like to be someone in the position to all of a sudden have your pay cut when you're still going to work every day and your family still needs groceries. Like these people weren't, (laughs) it's not like they were told, hey, we're not going to pay you. So don't bother coming in. They were still working. They were still doing all the drug running and all the, you know, homeland security they do. And I was quite frankly appalled at all of the negative feedback that these people were getting. And so I broke it down in like a, hey, if you are an enlisted sailor, this, and I did it based on San Diego, which is where we were, like, here's what you're making. Mm. And here's how far out of San Diego you actually have to live in order for your BAH to cover it. Here's how much BAS you're getting. And here's why when your pay is cut, you probably don't have a cushion. Mm. And it, you know, it really struck me. I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I was working part-time at the time. So we were a two income family, which we kind of had to be in San Diego. And I think that's the other thing that speaks to a lot of the other issues is there isn't often time to do all the benefit planning because you really are just trying to survive the day to day. And I mean, we know it's come up several times on this program as well as being like nationally covered now, but like military spouse employment is a big deal. And so people just don't have the resources to do that planning. And I would even venture to say, and I've shared a little bit of this story on the show before, even when we probably had the resources, we were in such emotional and mental turmoil that the ability to actually save just wasn't even there. Like we willingly, and I say willingly kind of like in air quotes, but we willingly put ourselves in a considerable amount of debt because going out and doing fun things was what kept us going as a family, you know, and it really, that's something that took us quite a while to dig out of, you know? And so just now with us being a two full-time income family and having moved to a area where the cost of living is much lower and we have resources like I'm fortunate to be in my hometown. So my parents watch my children. I don't have to pay my parents $15 an hour. Like I did in San Diego, you know, we're just now actually really starting to look at all of those things because there is that level of safety, I guess that comes with, well, you know, you have your survivor benefits. We do actually have an extra life insurance policy on Matthew, but like there is a certain level of, well, you're going to get something and Mm -hmm. I'll figure out how to make something work because I've figured out how to make it all work before. So surely something will come my way and we'll make it work. And so, you know, I mean, Matthew's 15 years into his career and we're just now like, oh, we're probably doing at least 20 and we should probably do something about the future. So here we are. I'm in the hot seat telling my family's (laughs) financial dirty laundry and, you know, we'll go from there. Well, thank you, Jenny Lynn, for first of all, sharing all of that and being so candid about it. It means a lot to me because I think about even my own family growing up and how it was really quite taboo to talk about money unless someone needed it. Like, it's like, oh, I need money. Can you give me money? You know? And it was more about like talking about debt and like owing money to your family than it is about like long-term financial investing or what have you, but even just not even having that day-to-day conversation about it. So I feel like this has come at at a good time, especially because one of the first things Matthew brought up in our conversation in meeting in person for the first time was 
like, so what do you guys do at US Fed Wealth? <laughs> like, I just thought it was funny when he asked that question. And then our last interview that we recently did with Jerry, we talked a little bit about like shop therapy, you know, like to deal with the stress of military life. So I just want to thank you for just being so open about it. And I know that this will be very eye-opening for me. And I imagine to our listeners, it'll be eye-opening as well to have this open discussion about money. Yeah, very powerful because what you said about kind of being forced to focus on the now and the kind of, I don't know if it's fear or a sense of, oh, I'm not doing the quote unquote right things because I'm supposed to be saving for, because I've heard it once. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it's funny how it only starts to come up when we become adults. How come this never (laughs) comes up in school? How do I get through the United States Military Academy at West Point? And they never talked about finances. Never talked about how the military benefits works. Never talked about how to talk to your... The whole point of West Point is what is you're going to be a platoon leader. You're going to be a leader. You're going to lead soldiers. And when never comes up, you're also going to be leading their family in some way. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just a catch-22. There's no right answer here. I think I'm one of the few people to say, don't feel bad. You're mm-hmm. not wrong. You're not wrong to be in the United States of America, the United States military. You're put in a situation... You can get credit on credit cards. Of course, nobody's advocating to use credit cards and stuff. But, you know, that Coast Guard situation is interesting that you bring up because that, that is different. I mean, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that. I don't think I, I, I forgot about that until you reminded me that it affected the Coast Guard, too, because the assumption was they're part of the Department of Defense. And so we feel the security around the pay and benefits. And I think we can feel pretty confident they're not going to ever stop paying our military. But, you know, if you have an extra credit card to use as your backup emergency fund or whatever, it's like, thank gosh, you got it. I bet there's, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm guessing out of the 8 billion people in the world, maybe only a billion have the ability to do that. And pretty much any American can. And you're in the military in the United States of America in the year 2021. There's so much amazing opportunity to come. I mean, here's the problem. We never actually talk about what money is. Money is currency, currency, current, it's energy, it's communication. And so if we're not utilizing money in whatever form it is, we're stifling our ability to communicate and tap into the world. And that's exactly what military families must do one way or the other. They need to communicate with the rest of the world because we're what, 1% of our whole population? We're going to be out into the quote unquote real world and we can sit around the military-based towns as much as we want. We're half of a percent now. It has dropped considerably. You were talking to Interesting. a quarter of a percent because half of military service members are married, which makes mm. me 0.25% mm-hmm. of a percent. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is why we have so, Jenny Lynn. <laughs> right. And so it's like the fear around finances, I think, stifles that currency, stifles the ability for energy to flow out. And what ends up happening is we default to the taxes coming out of the paycheck, the paying for the SGLI, you know, might have some benefits coming in, you know, paying for your mortgage or whatever it is, your rent. And it's just so limited when the reality is the financial world is much broader than anything like the stock market or paychecks. And so when we feel bad about, hey, I'm not doing the long-term things, it's like, you know what, I've talked to 06s, 30-year colonels who've come out of the military flat broke. You know, but they're going to go off and get a good job. And so the focus is, is, is building, you know, if you focus on building the skill sets and the networking and putting yourself in a position 
that one day, you know, is, as long as you're working for it, <laughs> you, you can find that opportunity to tap into what your true currency or ability to create currency mm-hmm. is. And that's kind of my mission. My philosophy around all this is saying, hey, the world's changing anyways. I mean, they just announced they're going to create digital money. Like mm-hmm. nobody has any idea how that's going to impact our economy. And we're sitting there thinking, well, I'm doing my TSP. It's doing great. You know, in 20 years, I'll retire and pull it all out. It's like, really? We have no idea if that's even going to be a thing in 20 years. So the ability in that now, when you are focused on the now, to also focus on your skill set development, your networking, those things again, to create that currency, I think that's the opportunity right now. Mm-hmm. And hey, if you end up having extra money to throw into retirement accounts or whatever, fine, so be it. But the opportunity to leverage whatever assets you have, whether it's military benefits, whether it's pats on the back for being a military family, you know, the ability to network easier. I mean, you can call up pretty much any military spouse, a veteran on LinkedIn, ask for a conversation. And, you know, where that leads is up to you and the ability to do it. So anyway, that's where I think the real opportunity is. And it's happening. It's happening a lot now. Military spouses, obviously doing podcasts, getting into entrepreneurship, a lot of veteran, active duty military doing things in their free time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we don't have free time in the military. We're so busy. It's like, how many people get master's degrees in the military? You have your free time. You can make it. Maybe it's not every day, but the ability to tap into the internet and create other sources, because that's what it all came down to. People in the situations where you're in San Diego and you just pay doesn't, doesn't equate to the cost of living. Ultimately, the ability to create second source of income is going to be the ability to be flexible in this modern economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I think it is a mindset conversation that I think needs to be more, and I'm going to say this carefully, like more directed at the spouse. And I say that because I've seen one of two things. Hmm. One, either the spouse is in the dark completely, has no idea, one, that the pay that shows up in your bank account via direct deposit is actually a salary and then benefits like, and that it actually has different, you know, how it's measured out <laughs> on the leave and earning statement, you know, it just shows up. Yay. It's here on the first and the 15th. And so there's that dynamic where they're completely in the dark and unaware maybe of even what that number is you know, and it's left Mm -hmm. completely to the service member. In my family, it's completely different. I have all of the information on all of our financial accounts. And Matthew gives me a, Hey, I got to go buy something. Are we good? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, we're good. You know, and I have started over the years, like, I want to use the term diversifying carefully because it's not a portfolio, but, you know, like blocking things out in accounts for specific things. Like when we move, like we knew, I don't know, almost a year ago that we were coming here to Virginia. And so, you know, I started putting away money for our move because we know it's probably going to cost 10 grand out of pocket before we're reimbursed Mm. to move. And so, you know, we've done things like that, but, you know, I do that. I do the spreadsheet. I do the bills. And quite honestly, that's a dynamic that works for us because let's be honest, he's not here half the time. And that's why we have the dynamic we do, because if it was left to him, (laughs) I would spend a lot of time and a lot of fear that things weren't being done because he was so busy doing work. But it kind of seems to run those two gamuts where both partners aren't necessarily looking at the day to day. And so there's no real ability to plan for the future because you both have no idea what's happening, Mm. you know, 
between payment and going to the grocery store and paying your mortgage and, you know, things like that. And so I think the conversation of mindset change honestly needs probably to be most directed at the spouse because many of us are the ones looking at the day to day. I can tell you how much money Matthew makes. Matthew can't tell you how much money Matthew makes. Mm You know, and then really do it together. I think there's great benefit. You know, I'm often jealous that Matthew will never be in a position where he gets to go to COXO school in Newport for the Navy because they have a portion of that class where they invite the spouses in and they come up with this Mm. like command contract between the spouses of like, if you're the CEO of this ship, what am I as a spouse going to take on? Am I going to take on doing the FRG? Am I going to take on hosting parties? Am I, you know, and you create this contract of what it looks like to be in command of this. And what comes with that is like a family contract really of like how we're going to do things going forward now that I am in a position of command. And there aren't many opportunities like that for people who aren't ever going to go to that school, which is, let's be honest, like 95% of the military. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Matthew's an officer and we're never going to do that because of the job he's in. So I think the conversation, you know, as you look at who you want to talk to and how you want to find your information, you're looking at people like me Mm -hmm. and also then bringing it in as you really want the couple unit because it's not going to flourish. I mean, we do TSP and all that stuff too, which Matthew does handle. And he is a much bigger picture thinking than I am, but doesn't handle the day-to-day. So has no idea what we could do because he doesn't look at what we have right now. Yeah. It, it, sounds, it sounds to me that with a lot of military couples, it's like you both have your very clear roles and you have mm-hmm. your clear ways of complementing each other, you know? And I think the other side of that though, is like not necessarily making the same decisions together or in a sense, because of the two different perspectives and the two different roles. And, you know, and you sharing your story, it's interesting to hear that. I wouldn't say like disconnect, but definitely like two different perspectives coming together, you know, to make this ultimately like, you know, financial decision for the entire family. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about, you know, the dynamic has to be, I mean, the military is obviously different than a standard job. And so deployments and stuff, we got to make sure the families are taken care of. And so it's, it's one of the very few professions where they will do unit based financial counseling, or they'll have somebody on base, or they'll bring people in, or they'll do a thing where they get some celebrity to come and talk about finances or whatever and pay them millions of taxpayer money. That's (laughs) unnecessary, but that's another story. And so what ends up happening is almost like a course load of PowerPoint presentations and booklets. And here's how your finances is. So the information's out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, the assumption always is basically that everybody's in the same boat simply because they're in the military. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen in any other aspect of society. You could go work for Apple or Google. I'm sure they probably do side education things and stuff like this. But it's not like the assumption is going to be everybody should be living their lives the same way just because you're in base housing. And so, I mean, I don't know what the answer, I mean, that's the mission here with this podcast with what yeah. you two are doing is, is to create another opportunity. I mean, I've never heard of that command concept that, that you were talking about. We didn't have that in the army. Not that, not, not that I know of, but you know, that's a fascinating way to at least start a conversation. But I think rather than saying, here's how you should be doing it is what often you see in those types of programs it's more, you know, education. Hey, what's available? It's a problem with our education system. We teach people what to think and we memorize basically instead of how to think. And the more that people choose to figure out how to think about this stuff on their own, 
that opens them up for other opportunities and might take them down a different path than what everybody else is doing. You know, 80-20 rule. If everybody's doing the same thing, typically the ones that get ahead are the ones that do the opposite. And so, you know, that's what you see coming out of the military. You see some of these veterans and military spouses just blowing up. And you talk to them, it's like, yeah, I didn't do any of that stuff in the military. I didn't go to college. I was in credit card debt, all this kind of stuff. But I just kind of bumbled around and I found this thing that I was really passionate about. And I turned it into a business or whatever. So, you know, just figuring out a way to start those conversations. I, I like the idea of the family command plan, but to really get that dialogue going and not be fearful of it and just assume that the finances are going to kind of be taken care of by the military. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, you know, you brought up, like, we teach people what to think, not how to think as a former educator. True in some ways. Um, <laughs> I cannot. I went to a military <laughs> academy. We had to follow. <laughs> well, I mean, and also, I mean, not only in a military environment are you being taught what you're being taught what by fire hose. Like I yeah. have never sat through anything that I didn't come away with fourteen thousand pieces of paper, and yeah. still very little idea of how I should proceed because it was so much information and much of it directed not to me or for me. It was really like very active duty speak. Thanks for coming. Glad you're here. And also, unless you're the person handling whatever we're there for, none of this applies to you unless Mm -hmm. you're one of those families who, you know, and, and I mean, Yes, Matthew and I have very specific lanes, as we call them. We are fantastic partners because he does his thing and I do mine. And somehow it all meets in the middle (laughs) and everyone at our house is still fed and alive. And also we've been through a lot of counseling and a lot of work to come out of our specific lanes more to come together to Mm. be able to make those decisions. And it is in the little, I mean, think about it. You don't go to counseling and have a counselor talk at you for mm-hmm. three hours straight. You go and you have a conversation for 50 minutes at a time. You go home, you may have homework, you get to digest it. And next week you come back and you talk, have a conversation for another 50 minutes at a time and so forth and so on until you've got it. Like, right? you know, a counselor who's worth their weight in gold is someone who helps you progress and also knows when you've got it. And I think the same kind of needs to be true, not kind of, the same does need to be true for a financial counseling kind of thing. It needs to be a conversation, not death by PowerPoint or information by a fire hose. Like, hey, here's this. And now work on this portion and come back. And now, you know, and sometimes I think, I mean, I will say as far as being a military family, sometimes that's difficult. Like, Matthew and I have done the Dave Ramsey method. Part of what's hard with that in a military family is if you're supposed to be attending classes and your spouse has duty, guess who's going alone? Yeah. Guess who got week seven all by themselves? (laughs) This girl, you know, and so there's some of that that I think a plan developed around the rhythm or lack thereof of a military family. Like you can't just run a standard seven week course because chances are four or five people aren't going to show up every week because of this deployment, this TDA, this TDY, you know, so forth and so on. But it really needs to be a conversation of this is how you can do things as a family. And here's a little thing you can work on because honestly, otherwise it's super overwhelming. We are already handling 
so many things and mm-hmm. so many schedules. We have like 14 calendars in my house right now. I feel like, I feel like every time I put something on the calendar, I'm adding 15 email addresses because magic <laughs> is a work email and a home email, you know? Right. <laughs> so like to talk about big picture money stuff and have it all come at you with no tangible, like here's the little teeny thing you can do today with your partner. Yeah. You know, is oh, I like that. Almost coming up with like a 30-day program of introducing how the military finances and stuff works. Because what I want to say when it comes to the counselors or the advisors or the coaches and mentors, whatever, uh, on the topic of finance, the assumption is, oh, they're the expert. Mm -hmm. Therefore, and I'm here to tell you, there's no experts. There are no experts, especially when it comes to finance. But there are people who happen to know the information before you do. Mm-hmm. And so rather than taking advice, you know, they can be a teacher. They, they might know the information, but the bottom line is the systems become so convoluted that the individual needs to learn it. Because what ends up happening is if, if people end up, oh, I'm just going to get a financial advisor. They'll, they'll take care of my finances for me. I got a guy. He's taking care of it. It's like, maybe, but you know what yeah. you've done? You've passed off that currency and that ability to have a connection with it and be able to use it when you might need it or when an opportunity passes by, you'll never see it. And so getting educated is paramount, but you're right. I mean, it's gotta be baby steps and it can be, Mm -hmm. but I'd almost say going to those things where you're getting just the 50 pages of information and PowerPoints galore, I'd say there's a better way to go about doing that. Cause what happens is you just get overwhelmed then you end up doing nothing. And then you end up like sticking to what you already have, you know? Right. Which is like, I mean, of course it's there for a reason. Like Scott and I often talking about, like, at least you have the benefits, you know, like that's important for us. We value education though. And knowing that if there are other options that are better for you, like we want you to know about it, but yeah, just hearing you talking about like hearing both of you talk about the importance of giving that bite-sized information as a family, not as just to the service member or not just to the spouse, but really together that both of you can do together. I think it's crucial. And I haven't really heard of a program like that yet to be quite honest honest. So it's, I'm already, it's my, my wheels are already spinning. I'm like, <laughs> no, I, we're going to have like, a whole brainstorming session after this thing. <laughs> Thanks. This, genuinely. this seems like a good uh, uh, program to give away on the website, you know, yeah, 30- yeah. <laughs> just listening to you both talk has been, I imagine even for Scott too, it's enlightening, you know, to have mm-hmm. this conversation because again, going back to like why it took me five seasons to have an in-depth conversation about this is because in my own observations, working with Scott and the team, you know, finance is a delicate conversation to have with spouses. And we've had incidences where there was that disconnect, where a decision wasn't made at the very end when we were ready to sign papers, because there was this fear that, you know, let's say, for example, the service member was signing on to something that the spouse didn't fully understand, which is, you know, very understandable because you're asking a spouse to understand the military jargon, which is really complicated sometimes. I remember having a mentor call with someone from Veterati. He's about to transition out, you know, 18 years. But he, I remember our initial conversation when we were talking, he said, you know, at first I thought I was going to be mentoring him, but he's all like, you know, I want to talk to you because I realized that this transition, it's not just my transition, it's my wife's transition too. And I just want to know like what information I need to provide to her to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, make informed decisions. And he was talking about the difficulty of trying to really simplify the military jargon, understanding that, you know, SBP is just, let's say another term for term insurance, you know, but sometimes it's not easy to make that translation. And so that's why we've been, at least for me, I've been so intentional and delicate about this because we really want to help 
you know, our military families in this way, we're just still, you know, as, as I stumble through this conversation, we're still trying to find that verbiage to really talk about this with compassion to our families. So to have this open conversation with you, Jenny Lynn is greatly appreciated. Oh, sure thing. I was reminded (laughs) as Scott was talking where he said, you know, you don't want to just hand your stuff over and go, you know, here you go. Hope for the best. Like all I envisioned was Shit's Creek and living in the Rosebud Mountain. Do you guys watch that show? No. Oh, no. no. You're going to have to explain. Oh, sorry. Well, spoiler alert. The opening scene is their house being cleaned out because they left all of their money. He owned, he owned a video franchise like Blockbuster hmm. and had left it all to a financial planner who was doing shady things with his money. And so the opening scene is like the FBI is confiscating all oh, of their belongings because, you know, they've been bought with this dirty money and they're broke. And so right. they end up living in a town called Shits Creek, you know, cause they're up Shits Creek. The mm-hmm. town's actually Shits Creek. I didn't know that's what that show was about. Okay. Oh, it's a story about it. Yeah. Oh, I heard it was it's funny. so funny. <laughs> But I mean, that's how the show starts. And I mean, here you have this like whom people would consider a mogul, right? Who all Mm -hmm. of a sudden is living in a motel because he had no eyes on his own finances. He just was like, oh, I'm rich. I'll Right. And it happens all the time. And it doesn't have to be a Bernie Madoff nefarious actor. Most financial planners and financial advisors don't actually have access to their clients' money. Mm -hmm. They're just brokers. They just introduce people to other companies. But the assumption is then, oh, I got a guy, I have a good relationship with him. But you understand there's like 20 different layers of finances. There's wheeling and dealing, like all the stuff going on on Wall Street, all the stuff they put in the news every day. I mean, even on AFN, they put today's TSP prices like it has any meaning. It's all a show. It's all a show to kind of keep the machine going. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, it ends up in situations like that where, where people aren't really paying attention. And then who's, who do you blame? Well, of course, everybody goes after the nefarious actor, but that's why I left the traditional financial planning industry. And, and that, that's not what we do at US Fet Wealth because I realized no one's ever really going to truly be happy because if you're not really paying attention to it, then you don't have to understand how the economy works. Then you don't have to understand where the stock market works. And the amount of times I would get people saying, hey, why aren't my accounts up more? Why did the accounts go down? I was like, the whole economy went up. The whole economy went down. I mean, <laughs> like nobody has any idea. There's 14,000 different mutual funds out there. And financial advisors will print out all these Morningstar reports saying, oh, this one's the best one. This one did the best one last year. And it's all a crapshoot. And, and unfortunately, then, but that's the game in town. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only certain places to sort of put your money. The cool mm-hmm. thing is with technology, there's new ways to do it. I'm not talking about Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a need to have that conversation eventually as well. But there's ways to participate in the stock market and not be gambling it, but also not have to pass everything off to a financial advisor. And so for most of the military, you know what? Dave Ramsey is a great place to start and get your finances going. But as people start to really think about, ooh, I want to create wealth. Like I got these good things going, or I want to maximize my benefits. I don't want to pay a fee to the government to protect my military pension with a survivor benefit plan. I want to keep that in my hands so I can put it in the economy and do something positive with it. And I realized for that subset of our population who's motivated, I want to get into real estate investing. I want to start a side hustle, you know, whatever it might be. That's who we focus on at U.S. Vet Wealth because they can start to see these alternative approaches, which frankly are cheaper and less riskier and tend to add a lot more flexibility. And instead of being focused on my account went up 20% last year, it's doing great, not thinking about it could crash the next day and go back down. 
we're more in a flexible situation where it's more about having access to that money so you can use it again when opportunity presents itself. And that opportunity that's definitely coming is that transition out of the military. And Mm -hmm. so the better that instead of that service member thinking, all right, I got to do my resume and go to my transition class and hoping that he gets a job that continues to have his his spouse and his family be happy, instead to go at that as a team Mm -hmm. to look for the post-military opportunity and the the financial impact of it, the, the wealth opportunity from that is tremendous. And there's not many people in the world, let alone Americans, who have that unique opportunity that in your, what, late 30s, mid 40s, you're getting out of the military with VA disability, military pensions. Again, those pats on the back for, you know, as, as long as that lasts. But it's just that that ability to come out of the military mm-hmm. and the world's your oyster is really powerful. But it's really hard mm-hmm. to take that responsibility and say, it's 100% on me now. Thank goodness we have the pension. Thank goodness we have the VA disability. That's a leg up. But if we're going to use it as a crutch, we're going to miss those opportunities. So yeah, just I think the team effort to prepare for that opportunity, which is transition, is key. Yeah, well said. (laughs) Ditto. And again, this is really the heart of what we do at Holding Down the Fort is to provide resources, education, tools, and stories um, so that you can make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. And so, I mean, obviously, like we don't have all the answers today. I think this is a, a great way to start this discussion amongst many. But, you know, just like what you said, Scott, Obviously, we are a resource here at US Vet Wealth if people are looking to have more of these kinds of discussions. So I think the way to talk about what I took from what, you know, Scott had shared is at the end of the day, you know, Scott and I and our team, we're looking at the military community like after having been in it. And therefore, I feel like in a way we have this more unbiased look on what's going on. And what we're trying to do is just make the military families and veterans feel more emboldened to make their own decisions, to know that this is their life and that when they get out of the military, military, like they are extremely special to our civilian community, to our society because of, you know, everything that they've done and all the benefits they get to have, just like what Scott said, the pats in the back, um, if anything. And so this conversation is really like an empowerment conversation, if anything, knowing that, you know, you have all the tools and resources to be successful. And this is a conversation for another time, but really, you know, diving into having a sense of purpose after the military, once you're out of that unit. And for us, we feel like, having a good understanding of your finances helps with that, helps you with a sense of purpose in post-military life. So that's what I took from what you said, Scott. Jenny Lynn, just want to see if you had any thoughts. I think we covered this session of, you know, the (laughs) SVP plan and thoughts on military life. Happy to be in the hot seat again and talk more (laughs) things because truth be told, many of the things you mentioned are not, not things I'm super confident on myself. Yeah. And I think that could be very beneficial for other people. I mean, I know the acronyms and I have a vague idea of what that means, but not how they work and what my role is in how they work and what to do with them. So yeah, happy to come back and converse with us. I was just gonna say, I mean, for me, I mean, this is, I mean, this is a hard conversation and Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you can see me struggling because I'm I'm just like, there's not a good answer other than we got to stop waiting around for other people to do stuff for us. And we got to get self-educated. Does that mean read a lot of books? Yeah. Does that mean it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, stop listening to your podcast and watching shit's great. <laughs> it's like, you got to enjoy it sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's YouTube videos about finances for a while or webinars or reading books. 
you know, just adding that to the repertoire, at least yeah. while you're driving around. Podcasts are huge for that, obviously. So, I mean, for me, this is a start of a conversation. Like I said, there are no experts and I don't claim to be. I have an idea, a philosophy, a solution that was pretty good fit for some people. And so that's why I'm trying to you know, find them. And obviously, we'd like to motivate people to start thinking this way. Of course, we'd like to start that movement because I think that's how we have an impact on our country. If we have military veterans and military spouse veterans, I don't even know what the official term for that is, but uh, out there, you know, financially stable, and this isn't about being rich. It's not about the numbers of zeros. All that matters is, Jen said, are your goals and desires and sense of purpose being met? Because typically, that's what we like to do coming out of the military. Not everybody's awesome in, in, in the military, but a lot of us want to serve. And mm -hmm. I hear that so often. Hey, what do you want to do mm -hmm. after the military? I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I just want to help people. I want to continue to be of service. So that's why I'm so passionate about this because it's like, yes, especially right now with the craziness that's going on in our country, the more veterans and military spouses that we have financially in a position where they can be leaders <laughs> of our communities in society and all, I'm not talking politics. I mean, maybe that's part of it, but just in the in the business world, whatever it is, if they're out there tapped into the financial world, instead of just going to from the military to the government contractor across the street, and basically, you know, not using all those skills they learned in the military, how to be a leader. It's like, let's translate that into our economy, into our society. But we got to be in a position financially to be able to confidently do that. And so if we could solve that problem, you know, I think we might have a chance <laughs> if of you know doing some good out there in post-military life that's the goal but it's awesome. hard so i appreciate you jenny lynn you know just starting these conversations you know, i would like to have more of just if anything to learn and to be like all right what don't we understand mm -hmm. and what am i not thinking about that could help open up this communication a little bit more so it's hard but i'm grateful to have it yeah. And I just want to thank you both for just having this conversation together. We knew that it was going to come. We've been talking about it and Jenny Lynn's been pressuring me to coordinate it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I really am uh, just grateful to start this conversation, even if we're kind of stumbling over our words, because I think this is just like what you said, Scott, this is like a clear example of just not having this in our day-to-day -day repertoire, you know, just being able to talk about personal finance. So I'm just really appreciative to both of you. And, you know, I think this is the start of something fun to continue to have these topics. And I imagine even after the recording, there's going to be some questions that are going to pop up that we could bring up later. But until then, thank you both for bringing light to this conversation and joining me here on Holding Down the Fort. But that said, thank you all so much for listening. And we hope that this conversation resonated with you in any way. You know that you can get a hold of us at our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Yeah.